time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning coming down, to be exact. January the 23rd, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you here on the podcast. A lot to get into this morning as it relates to University of Alabama athletics. A lot of football talk. A lot of basketball talk. Even some NFL playoff talk as it relates to the Crimson Tide. Did you see that one Saturday night? Lambeau Field. Zero degree real feel up in Green Bay. I've done that before. I've been in Lambeau Field when it is sub-15 degrees. And it looks like a lot of fun on television, you know, especially when the snow's coming down. But about a quarter of that was enough for me about seven or eight years ago but the Jacksonville Jaguars believe it or not the Jacksonville Jaguars in those conditions in a December game many years ago with Byron Leftwich at quarterback beat Brett Favre and the Packers in my one and only visit to Lambeau so uh actually enjoyed that didn't enjoy the 12 degree temperatures that much but I think it was fine for D'Amico Ryans on Saturday night the former Alabama All-American linebacker D'Amico now, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And San Fran gets it done against Aaron Rodgers and the pack. Miko now picking up some head coach interviews around the National Football League. I wish my aforementioned Jaguars would get a clue and take a look under the hood of D'Amico Ryan. I think they'd like what they would find. I mean, if they're going to go the defensive route, which it's sounding like they may very well do, Why not go with a guy like D'Amico Ryans? Also, from the Packers' perspective, you know, a defeat is kind of what the Pack deserve after releasing J.K. Scott back in the preseason. The curse of the Coloradoan, I'm going to call it, with the Pack now 0-1 in playoff games since releasing the former Alabama punter, J.K. Scott. Tough one for the Titans on Saturday, too, in the early game of the divisional round. Evan McPherson, the kid from Fort Payne, as I like to refer to him as, with four field goals, the Fort Payne, Alabama native, Evan McPherson, four field goals, including the game winner from 52 yards out to send another number one seed banished from the tournament in the Tennessee Titans. So Sunday in the two divisional games, you're going to have Bama representation throughout both those contests. Terrell Lewis, Sean Robinson for the Rams. O.J. Howard, of course, is a Tampa Bay Buck. Even in the Bills and the Chiefs, I'm going to count Derek Gore, the former Alabama walk-on who moved on from UA to Louisiana Monroe and has bounced around the league. Uh, you're going to have Brian Dable, as the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, one-and-done Brian Dable from the 2017 national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. It looks like Dable could be in line for that head coaching gig in Gotham with the Giants. He's in the mix with Tua and the Miami Dolphins as well. Levi Wallace is a Buffalo Bill, of course. You talk about former Alabama walk-ons who have gone on to great things. Levi certainly qualifies in that regard, and I'll be damned if it isn't shaping up to be another Super Bowl appearance for Tom Brady. And they're saying potentially his last, his last appearance in the NFL playoffs we might be witnessing right now. And if he makes it to the Super Bowl, it would seem it would seem pretty much the right way to go out if he chooses to do so, because the Super Bowl is set for SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, potentially 
setting the stage for literally a Hollywood ending for the California native Tom Brady. As far as more pressing items of interest where Alabama football is concerned, you've had the coaching staff additions for Nick Saban and his program here of late. Traveris Robinson to the Alabama secondary went Facebook official. I guess that's what we could call it because over the weekend, T-Rob with the new profile pick and description there for his profile on Twitter. Still a little bit of a wait and see in terms of some other areas of the staff and how the 2022 version of this staff will end up at the 10 on the field staffers allowed by NCAA rules and transfer portal still very much in play. Big news there in the last couple of days involving Jalen Moody as he reportedly exits the portal. A strong indication that his intention as of now is to remain at UA for a super senior season. And Jalen Moody, we're talking about a guy who has appeared in 54 career games for the Crimson Tide, with a lot of that on special teams. But when we have seen him on occasion at inside linebacker, especially over the last two seasons, those appearances have gone exceedingly well, with an emphasis on the Arkansas game late in the 2020 season when Christian Harris went down on the first play from scrimmage in Fayetteville, Moody did a hell of a job stepping in there uh, opposite Dylan Moses in that one. And then even in the Miami game in the 2021 season opener when you had Henry Toa Toa go out with an injury there, uh, Moody came in and did quite well as well. The thing about the portal is, and we got to remember this, is that it's kind of like Waffle House. It never closes, even in a pandemic. So there is no defined time frame like there is with, say, signing periods in collegiate athletics. Guys can come and go from the transfer portal 24-7, 365, and there is no limit on the number of times a guy can go in or come out. So this isn't like declaring for the pre-draft process and say, basketball, and you get a certain number of opportunities to explore that path. So it's important to speak of situations involving the portal in very up-to-date terms because there isn't an aspect of personnel movement and acquisition these days that is more fluid in all of college athletics than the transfer portal. In the case of Moody, he entered the portal just before Christian Harris made his declaration for the 2022 NFL draft official. Once that happened, and you didn't see Moody go all in elsewhere. I guess there was some talk about some other potential destinations for Jalen Moody. Well, when that didn't happen, it made you wonder, and we talked about this on the last podcast with Tim Watts here on the BOL pod, you know, when guys don't go ahead and make those next stops official, you know, it could be an indication that there is the potential for a guy to stick around. We saw it with Jaden Shackelford in basketball. We saw it with King Wakuda in football. So you got to understand, too, that there are also some mile markers, it seems, that are developing more and more in the transfer portal process that weigh heavily in the decision-making. One of those will be coming up in March and April. It was during spring practice a year ago, remember, that UA made the determination that it needed an upgrade on the outside at wide receiver. And with that, Alabama went out and got Jamison Williams from the portal, freshly from Ohio State. Now, you know, this all works both ways. You know, assuming Jalen Moody is sticking around, 
there is still going to be strong competition at inside linebacker. Yes, Henry Toa Toa, you figure, is one of those two guys inside. But even with Shane Lee apparently moving on and Jackson Britton, uh, Jackson Bratton officially moving on, you're still going to have Deontay Lawson and some others that will be right there in the mix. Some scenarios to consider as well at inside linebacker where combinations are concerned. Yes, you can continue to go with Henry Toa Toa at the mic, or maybe you consider Jalen Moody at the mic. This is a guy with four years in the program. He's an experienced guy. And with that, you play Toa Toa more off the ball. Lawson, you can consider, I think, at either spot. Pretty interchangeable between Mike and the Will position, but as we saw in 2021, a lot of comfort taken when you have that guy in the middle that you feel very comfortable with in terms of running the show. So from that perspective, it could very well be that Henry Toa Toa continues in that role of signal caller. Either way, Alabama's going to be in a better place with Moody sticking around if it does prove out to be that way for the 2022 season. And again, that's understanding that if he doesn't project as the guy coming out of spring, he can still look around come mid to late April for another home in advance of the summer months. Sticking with the transfer portal theme, as you saw there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com, if you hung out with us there at BOL throughout the weekend, Hank South with a very interesting nugget in relation to a transfer portal entrant from the University of Georgia in second-year wide receiver Jermaine Burton. Now, late in the week here on the Bama Online podcast, we provided you with an overview of of why Jermaine Burton would make sense for Alabama. And some of those attributes you consider, with John Mechie especially moving along, third down, red zone. This is an advanced route runner in Jermaine Burton. As I said on Thursday's pod, not sure if he's a true X on the outside, but he can play some of that, and he can play inside, and he can play the Z. He can handle all the different spots. And again, with Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay Hall, you have plenty of potential there on the outside, X-type receivers with the size and playmaking ability to go along with that. You also have a couple of young guys in Brooks and Hall that, if we're being honest, still have quite a bit of ground to cover in terms of the finer aspects of receiver play. With Burton, you're talking about a nice mix of polish and talent. Again, maybe more along the lines of a John Mechie, more along the lines of a couple of years ago, if you recall, Trayvon Grimes at the University of Florida. I see some of that in Jermaine Burton. And you're also talking about a SoCal guy like Bryce Young, that if he wants targets from the best quarterback in all of college football, I'm not sure why the sell here for Jermaine Burton would be all that difficult, assuming Alabama does, in fact, want to push for the services of Jermaine Burton. And you consider the possibility of Jermaine Burton to go along with Jameer Gibbs at the running back position, and that wouldn't be a bad one-two punch in terms of the old Georgia Tech-Georgia rivalry making its way to Tuscaloosa. Now, as far as transfer portal entrants from Alabama who continue to make decisions on their next stops, well, you can add wide receiver Javon Baker to that list as Baker has decided to move on to the University of Kentucky. 
Here's hoping for Baker. It works out along the lines of what it did for Wandell Robinson in 2021. Wandell Robinson, previously of the University of Nebraska, made the move to Lexington and had a huge season. Now, different kinds of skill sets when we talk about Javon Baker and Wandell Robinson. Robinson, a little more twitch, a little more along the lines of, say, a Jalen Waddell than sort of the Michael Irvin type receiver, which you kind of envision Javon Baker filling more of that mode or that mold for Kentucky in 2022. But Javon Baker going to stay in the SEC, just move over to the SEC East and become a Kentucky Wildcat. Otherwise, on the recruiting front, we've had complete coverage throughout the weekend. Hank Sal, Tim Watts, our recruiting staff at BamaOnline.com. Really a big weekend for future classes, 2023, 2024 even. Uh, You're seeing guys in classes two or three years down the road self-report offers uh, being made from Nick Saban over the weekend. And for a lot of those guys, it's really the start of a process that will include working out on campus at summer camps coming up uh, in the in the coming months. But, you know, you did have a 2022 that you were expecting on campus from an official visit perspective. And Danny Lewis, the tight end from Louisiana, already has offers from Alabama, LSU, Florida involved as well previously committed to the University of Cincinnati. And again, Hank South, Tim, our staff at BOL, they're going to continue to update you throughout the completion of the weekend and right on into next week. As far as future prospects of note that Alabama is already honing in on, and then also in terms of trying to cap this 2022 class on a positive note. Hey, let's talk some Alabama men's hoops here on the podcast. It is officially a win streak for Nate Oates' team following an 86-78 win over visiting Missouri on Saturday evening at Coleman Coliseum. Hey, again, not a especially scintillating performance from three for this Alabama team. Nine of 27 from beyond the arc with J.D. Davis and Jaden Shackelford Keon Ellis combining to make eight of those threes, but a 50-point second half was enough for Alabama to overcome a four-point halftime deficit and push the Crimson Tide past Mizzou at home. Alabama finished the game on an 18-3 run, so this was anything but a waltz for Alabama down the stretch. For the second time in three Saturdays, Alabama with a slow start against Missouri, and that led to Nate Oates going with walk-on Britton Johnson in the first half. Alabama trailed by two touchdowns, 21-7 to early. And Johnson only played three minutes, but it did seem to send the message maybe to the rest of the roster that if we're going to get beat for 50-50 balls and not play with the requisite energy that Oates wants to see from his guys, look, Nate Oates said, I'll keep going down the bench until I find someone who does provide that sort of juice to us on the floor. Alabama, on a positive note, 29 more trips to the free throw line. They've pretty much averaged that, Alabama has, over the last four games. So getting to the stripe uh, prolifically, I guess you could say, for Alabama here in the last four games. And Alabama did outscore Missouri 21-3 to from the free throw line. J.D. Davison with a nice night in another start. He, Keon Ellis, 
Quinterly, Shackelford, they combined for 60 of Alabama's 86 points in the game. Once again, you got some good energy from James Rojas off the bench as he goes for six points and six rebounds. Alabama with 23 offensive boards in the game. That was nine more than Missouri. And Alabama finishes the game with an edge in second chance points by six, 24 to 18. If you're into plus minus, where the roster is concerned, plus minus, of course, having to do with the score relative to the time that particular players are on the floor. Well, Darius Miles got a start. Alabama with some small ball to open the game and really throughout the game because Charles Bediaco didn't play 10 minutes in this one on Saturday evening. Darius Miles in a start. Uh, he ends up plus 13 and plus minus and Keon as he seems to do on a consistent basis well on the plus side of things at plus 18. So Alabama improves to 13 and 6 overall, 4 and 3 in SEC play, and it's on to Athens Tuesday night for a matchup with the winless in the SEC Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia losers by 17 to South Carolina on the road Saturday. It's a happy hour tip off from Stegman Coliseum on Tuesday, 5:30 Central. The game will air on SEC Network. No Severe Wheeler, no Katie Johnson for Tom Crean's dogs this time around. Those two guys actually squared off Saturday as members of the Kentucky and Auburn clubs, respectively, with the latter getting the win to move to 18-1 and overall on the season and a perfect 7-0 and in the SEC for Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers. Watching that game on Saturday for just a little bit of an SEC overview, Surprise, Severe Wheeler. If you watch the game, he left the game twice with what appeared to be head issues. He took some big shots, uh, both on the ball, uh, where Walker Kessler is concerned, the Auburn Post, and then take, you know, running straight into a screen, which his teammates didn't help him out. Nobody calls out the screen. He runs directly into Walker Kessler. But both times, it looked like you know he was dinged, to put it nicely. Severe Wheeler. And I just can't imagine returning to the game twice being the case if we were talking about football, but it probably illustrates the hypersensitivity to blows to the head and neck area in football as compared to other sports like basketball and even soccer, where trauma to those areas seemingly flies under the sporting public's radar. All right, not that we've moved into the doldrums of the offseason at this point by any means, still plenty of news as it relates to Roster attrition, roster acquisition, coaching staff moves, all of those things we have for you, of course, at BamaOnline.com. But I thought it would be fun if we started a series where we look at the top positional rooms for Nick Saban's national championship teams at the University of Alabama. And I figured let's kick it off with running backs and we'll count them down from six to one, six national championships for Nick Saban at Alabama. So we'll go from, in our opinion, number six among the running back rooms for Nick Saban's national championship teams at Alabama. I'm going to start with 2020. Now you say that and you think, man, what a monster year for Najee Harris. He won the, uh, Doak Walker Award, uh, nation's top running back. Well, he did, but it was largely the Najee Harris show. All due respect to Brian Robinson, he averaged 5.3 per carry in 2020 in his own right, had six touchdowns, 
Uh, but Najee with 1,466 rushing yards. He had 26 of Alabama's 37 rushing touchdowns in 2020, averaging 5.8 per carry. And also, if you want to talk about just individual performances at the running back position, I would have a hard time putting uh, Mark Ingram in 2009 ahead of Najee Harris. Uh, I'd have a hard time putting Trent Richardson, 2011, ahead of Najee Harris. I'd probably still have to put Derrick Henry. I mean, we're talking about over 2,200 rushing yards in 2015 on nearly 400 carries for Derrick Henry in 2015. But if you just want to talk about individual running back performances in the history of Alabama football, forget about just among Nick Saban's six national championship teams, with... Najee catching 43 passes for 425 yards in the four more touchdowns that he added to his rushing total. He ended up with 30 total touchdowns in 2020. That room, you also had Jace McClellan. Uh, You had Trey Sanders, who unfortunately during the 2020 season was involved in that car accident that left him seriously injured. You had Roydell Williams as a true freshman in 2020. But I'm going to start out at six with the 2020 running back room highlighted by just a hellacious performance from Najee Harris. Number five, I'll go 2011. Similar situation that season with Trent Richardson dominating things in the backfield. Nearly 1,700 rushing yards for Trent Richardson in 2011. He averaged 6.2 per carry. He also caught 29 balls for 338 yards and three more touchdowns. You also had Eddie Lacy. All Eddie Lacy did in 2011 is average 7.1 per carry and find the end zone seven times on 674 rushing yards. Justin Fowler also a part of that room. You know, Blake Sims, as a freshman in 2011, before he became sort of the record-setting quarterback at the time in 2014, Blake Sims, 107 rushing yards, 4.9 per carry, had two catches for 18 yards back in 2011. Number five, I go with the 2011 room. Number four, I'm going to go 2017. You had Damian Harris right at 1,000 yards, rushing 7.4 yards per carry, 11 rushing touchdowns for Damian Harris. That was his second straight 1,000-yard rushing season. You also had in that room... Bo Scarborough, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, Brian Robinson, pretty stout. Now, a big part of a couple of those rooms in 16 and 17 was that Jalen Hurts was such a big part of the run game. And in 2017, as crazy as this will sound as we move through the future, Jalen actually led Alabama in carries and was second in rushing yards. Now, you had some committee stuff going on with Damian and Bo and Najee and Josh and all those mouths to feed, but most rushing yards by an Alabama championship team under Nick Saban with right around 3,500 yards on the ground. They were very much, 2016 even more so, centric to the run game with those offenses before Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Mac Jones, And Bryce Young took their places behind center. Number three, I'm going to go, even with the limited production behind him, because this was such an amazing year for Derrick Henry, I'm going to go with the 2015 group. Again, Derrick with 2,219 yards on his way to the Heisman Trophy, uh, 5.6 yards per carry, 28 
rushing touchdowns. He only had 11 catches for 91 yards, and that sort of started that narrative with him moving ahead to the National Football League that, well, not sure this guy can catch the ball all that well. Kenyon Drake, obviously, in support of Derrick Henry in 2015, 408 rushing yards, 29 catches for 276 yards and a touchdown. And, of course, Kenyon Drake had a uh, big kickoff return during that 2015 season that you might recall. You also had Damian Harris as a true freshman in that room, Bo Scarborough in that room, and also the aforementioned walk-on that we talked about in relation to the NFL playoffs that are ongoing, Derek Gore. Uh, as a walk-on, was in that room before moving on to Louisiana Monroe and the National Football League. Number two, I'm going to go with 2009. Mark Ingram wins the Heisman Trophy after rushing for 1,658 yards, 17 touchdowns. Now, some of this you got to consider, too, number of games that these teams played. Uh, 2009 played 14 games. 2015, for instance, played... 15 games, some of that comes into play here, but Mark, with a historic season and becoming Alabama's first Heisman Trophy winner, sort of under the radar that season was the fact that Mark was very effective as a receiver as well, averaged over 10 yards per catch on 32 grabs, and of course you had Trent Richardson doing his thing in that room as a true freshman, 749 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. Trent was huge, especially late in that season, as you might recall, before Mark Ingram had the big game against Florida in Atlanta in that SEC championship game win over Tim Tebow in Florida. Uh, Trent stepped up big on the road at Auburn. Ingram was not himself due to injury, uh, and so Trent with a strong performance against Auburn on the Plains. And speaking of that game, what about Roy Upchurch in that running back room in 2009? He had the game-winning touchdown grab against Auburn there uh, out of the backfield. Upchurch with 299 rushing yards in 2009, averaging 6.2, 12 catches for 72 yards. This room was good enough that you were able to redshirt Eddie Lacy as a true freshman in 2009 so that was a solid duo for sure I mean in Ingram and Richardson you're talking about two guys that surpassed 100 rushing yards uh, in the win over Texas in the BCS national championship game that capped that perfect 14-0 season for the 09 Crimson Tide number one national championship winning running back room under Nick Saban I went 2012 Eddie Lacy with 1,322 rushing yards, 17 rushing TDs, 6.5 yards per carry for Eddie Lacy in 2012. Also had 22 catches for 189 yards and two more touchdowns. And oh, by the way, you had the true freshman that season. And TJ Yeldon, 1,100 rushing yards, 12 rushing TDs, 6.3 yards per carry. So when you look at Really, four guys in this running back room in 2012. Kenyon Drake uh, in 2012 is a freshman, 281 on five touched and five touchdowns, 6.7 per carry. Blake Sims still at the running back position at that time, 6.2 per carry. So four running backs in 2012 at 6.2 per carry or better, and two 1,000 yard rushers in Eddie Lacy and T.J. Yeldon. Yes, yes, we need to acknowledge 
that 2012 offensive line, which still likely goes down as the best of the Nick Saban era when you talk about Barrett Jones and Chance Warmack and Gosh, Anthony Steen and DJ Fluker and Cyrus Quanjo. What a great five. And that's before Michael Williams at tight end. Um, you know, he had some excellent tight ends too. Uh, Brian Vogler, I believe, at the time. Did a nice job in the run game as well. So there you go. That's how I rank them. The running back rooms for national championship teams under Nick Saban. Six, I go 2020. Five, I go 2011. Four, I go 2017. Three, I go 2015. Two, I go 2009. And one, I'm going with 2012. And all of this, of course, got me to thinking, what about what about just non-national championship rooms under Nick Saban? Groups that didn't win it all and that conversation really starts with 2013 because it was ridiculous to think about Alvin Kamara as a true freshman Derrick Henry in that room in 2013 uh, as a true freshman TJ Yeldon as just a sophomore Kenyon Drake as a young back you had the late Alti Tenpenny Tyron Jones Jalston Fowler was in that backfield so I think you have to start just in terms of you know, name recognition with that group. Unfortunately for Alabama, it never really got any production out of Alvin Kamara and a couple of these other guys washed out, unfortunately, within a couple of years in the program. But certainly Henry hung around, Yeldon hung around, Drake hung around, Jalston Fowler hung around. If you just want to talk about actual production, and again, you can look at 2010 too. I mean, you had Ingram, Richardson, and Lacey all active in the same backfield. Oddly enough, though, when you look at production for 2010, that ranks near or at the low end of a Nick Saban offense with Ingram, Richardson, and Lacey together in 2010. Actual production, 2014, you had Yeldon and Henry that were essentially 1,000-yard rushers in 2014. They both finished within 30 yards of 1,000 in 2014 you also had Jalston Fowler you had Kenyon Drake in that 2014 but he had that gruesome as you recall lower extremity injury on the turf at Ole Miss in that loss in 2014 and then there's some other groups I think you have to consider 2018 could go with pretty much anybody with Damian Harris Najee Harris Josh Jacobs Brian Robinson 2016 with Damian with Scarborough, with Jacobs, and again, 16 and 17, Jalen was such a big part of the run game, uh, and you had more of a committee approach. Even 2008, man, I think we got to send some love to Glenn Coffey and a freshman at the time, Mark Ingram, is that sort of one-two punch because that was the run game during the early stages of the Saban era that sent the message to opponents that if we want to, We can lean on you, and we can do this largely on the ground. But, again, when you think about the evolution of the Alabama offense since 2008, it's like going from the single wing to the run and shoot, it feels like it sometimes these days. What do you think about those? You You think those rankings are about right? You think they're about wrong? Well, if you want to, you can go to the rank rating and review section of the subscription aspect of our home for the 
Bama Online Podcast and leave us your comments there. You don't just have to leave a review of the podcast in general. You can go on there and say, Travis, you were so off on these running back room rankings for the Nick Saban championship teams at Alabama. You can do that. And you can also subscribe, if you haven't already, to the Bama Online Podcast. And again, if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. That's a wrap for a Sunday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, everybody. And hang out with us at BamaOnline.com. Continuing updates on transfer portal items of interest, coaching staff items of interest, recruiting items of interest, both for 2022 and beyond, right there with us at BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier thanking you once again. So long, everybody. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.